Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, and we're reading from the verse 8 this tremendous story of the conversion of the Apostle Paul. And I'm reading this, it has nothing to do uh, with a reference to our conversion whatsoever. This is not our day, this is the Lord's day. And so in, in this great chapter 9 of Acts, uh, you know the story of the conversion of the, uh, of, of the Apostle Paul. And in verse 8 we read these words after he was uh, met the Lord. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him to Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth. And hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints in Jerusalem. And, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went, in, went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord even Jesus has appeared unto thee in the way, as thou comest, and has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight. Now here's the phrase, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He's a number of days, maybe a week, maybe two, I don't know, saved. And then he has, we have this statement, and that he might be, be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes, uh, as if it had been scales, and he received his sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And we know that God will bless to us the public reading of his own word. Today is what we call Whit Sunday, which means the seventh Sunday from Easter, or sometimes it's called, as Stephen has referred to, as Pentecostal Sunday. The word Pentecost means 50th, 40 days after the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, and 10 days after they waited in the upper room, 120 of them, the Holy Spirit fell or was poured out upon them, and they all spake with other tongues. I'm taking this special day in the Christian calendar, uh, the birthday of the Holy Spirit, to speak to you on what is probably the most neglected and ignored doctrine, especially uh, in what we call the fundamental evangelical church. In other branches of the church, uh, it has been abused in other ways and misused in other ways as well. But however the Holy Spirit has been grieved or quenched or hindered or vexed or wounded, it is in the house 
of his friends. Many churches today will not even remember that this is Pentecostal Sunday. They'll not celebrate the birthday or the anniversary of the outpouring of the Spirit, never mind preach on it. Some time ago, I was sitting in a church waiting to go up to preach, perfectly sound, orthodox, evangelical church, just waiting to take my pew behind the pulpit, and I flicked through the hymn book. There were 800 hymns in that hymn, many on the gospel, on the cross, on the Lord's table, the second common, creation, baptism and prayer. There were four hymns on the Holy Spirit out of the 800 hymns. And I remember looking round at the congregation of people and saying to myself, well, that resonates the people that are here gathered in this assembly today. Eighty-six times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament, 261 times in the New Testament, and there are 25 names given to him. 25 names given to the Holy Spirit. In the mid-1970s, Pat and I attended an IEB conference in Donegal, uh, ran by the, as I say, the IEB, and Douglas Crossman from Bath was the preacher at that conference. I'm sure there were over a hundred people in that conference hall. And when Mr. Crossman got up to preach, he says, I'm going to preach today on the Holy Spirit. But before I do, could I ask you to name me some of the titles and names of the Holy Spirit in the Bible? And there was a long pause in the congregation and then one or two or three or four, I don't remember, but no more than five or six names came out from that great congregation of people, many of them saved a lifetime. I wonder how many names you would get this morning on this, the Holy Spirit's anniversary and outpouring of his birthday. How many names would you be honest now this morning? You're saved a long time. How many names? Could you come up in your mind now out of these many names that's mentioned in the Bible could you come up with? Think of, think of that over. You see, if you're saved and you're a believer, then the Holy Spirit lives within your heart. Paul says if he doesn't, you're none of his, so you're not saved. So you're saved this morning and the Holy Spirit lives within your heart. He's the guest of your soul. Do you know the old Anglo-Saxon word for ghost? is the word guest, and the guest has to be invited in. And one day in your life, you invited this guest into you. He has 32 names, and you don't know hardly any of them, and he's living in you. Now, think of that now, because mind you, I have had a long, long thought about this. If he lives in us, if he convicts us, if he leads us, if he guides us, if he protects us, if he blesses us, and he does all those things, and we don't know him, how sad that is. You know the soap opera crowd. We know the politician crowd. We know the footballers. We know all about the Facebook and Zoom and Boom and WhatsApp and all the rest. We know all about YouTube and Skype and iPads and everything. But we struggle to get two or three names of the precious third person executive of the Godhead lives in our heart. 
I must confess that for many years I struggled with this. The ten years that I was saved, the first ten years of my salvation, he was ignored and silenced as the guest in my soul. And I say that to my shame. Because I can tell you, my friend, I never thought of anything else other than being saved. Boy, it was great to be saved. And it's still great after 50 years to be saved and to know that you're on your way to heaven. But I settled for that. And that I was so glad to be rid of the old life and the old sin and the old ways and the old friend. I was so glad that I could go to a meeting and I could sing a hymn. I was so glad to preach or to hear people preaching on the blood of Jesus and taking me to heaven. But all the time the Holy Spirit was a guest that was in my life and in my heart. And he wasn't getting full flow through me. I was content with being saved. I was content with being cleansed. What about you? But he was not in full control of my life, my job, my work, and even at times my home, my family. All these things came before being open and before and transparent and open to God to say, Lord, I want you to fill me. I want you to touch me. I want you to take me. I want you to use me. I want you to flow through my life. What a, what a, what a shame it is, my friend. If that is the case, what a shame it is. And uh, I knew nothing of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I wasn't taught anything about the power of the Holy Ghost, the earnest of the Holy Ghost, the fruit of the Holy Ghost, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I never remember Advent Sunday, I never remember Pentecostal Sunday being celebrated even. What does that tell you? Well, let me say to you this. And I want to be very biblical this morning. I, God has laid this message on my heart. Let me, let me say this to you this morning. Never was there a time when the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, and the executive, and that's one of the names one of the old Puritans gave to him, the executive of the Godhead was not in this world. In Genesis 1 and verse 2, he was involved in creation. Imagine that. The one that lives within your heart and my heart was involved in creation of the world. The Spirit moved and brooded over the face of the waters, the cosmos. And the first emblematic sign of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is a dove. A gentle, offensive, pure, shy, harmless bird. And when Noah released the dove from the ark after the flood, it came back and rested inside the ark for seven days because it could find no place for it to light. It went out the second time, and it brought back an olive leaf in its mouth, and it rested another seven days, and then it went out, and it never returned. Now, the toing and the froing of the dove from the ark speaks of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. He came back and forward. He came back and forward to certain people at certain times for certain ministries. Then he left and withdrew and went back to heaven and came again. In Exodus 31, I want you to hear this now this morning. In Exodus 31, the first man to be filled with the Holy Spirit was Bezalel the builder. God filled him with wisdom and knowledge in making the furnishing for the tabernacle in the wilderness. 
He was an artificer in gold and silver and brass. Now the point is this. He was filled with the Holy Spirit to work. Not to preach. Not to speak in tongues. Not to sing. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. The first man in the Spirit, in the Scripture, was filled with the Holy Spirit to work. To work. And to serve in the sanctuary. And my friend, let me say that no matter what your task is, whether you're a Sunday school teacher, whether you're doing the work around the church, whether you're, whether you're preaching, whether you're praying, wherever you are in, as a child of God, listen, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You need it as a housewife. You need it with your family. You need it in your home. You need, it's not just for missionaries, ministers, and preachers, and pastors. This Holy Spirit that came down on the day of Pentecost was, was for all. It was for your children and those that are far off. And every one of us and every one of us here this morning, we should be enjoying the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's not a doctrine belonging to the healing. It's not a doctrine belonging to the charismatic. It's the doctrine of God in the Word of God. And we should be enjoying that Spirit of God upon us, uh, upon us this morning. He was given the Holy Spirit to work. Then when you come over to Judges, there was no king in those days, and God came upon the judges with the Holy Ghost. There was seven or eight of the judges. At different times, God came upon them, men and women too. He didn't come upon them to work. He came upon them to fight. He came upon them to stand in the battle. And from, from, from each one of them on down, Gideon and, and Samson, and you get all the rest of them, they were filled for times with the Holy Ghost for certain ministries, for certain days, for certain conflicts, and God used them, and God blessed them, and then he withdrew from them. That's the Old Testament. Eh, them men and the judges pulled down strongholds, and they saw great things for God. So Basil was filled to work. The judges were filled to fight. And then Michael, Michael, Here's what Michael says himself. Here's his testament. I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord and the judgment on might to declare unto Jacob his transgression and Israel's sin. He was filled to preach. Filled to preach. And we need to be filled to preach. I'd ask the Lord to fill me before I come out of that room this morning. I'll have to ask him to fill me before I go on the radio tomorrow. I'll have to ask him to fill me before I ever stand again. I'll have to ask him to fill me when I go to prayer. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And we need to keep asking him to be filled because we leak. And he continually fills us as we continually confess our sins. So there you have it. And then there's another one just as I close in the Old Testament. There's the story of Jehoshaphat. Three wicked kings surrounded them. And the Spirit of the, God, of the Lord came in a man the name of, you never heard of him, and you never heard of him after this, a man the name of Je Jehaziel. It came on Jehaziel to sing. God told him to sing. And when you get up to sing the gospel and the word of God, you need to be filled and anointed with the Holy Ghost. And my friend, if we had more preaching, more fighting, more singing, more praying in the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't be in the state we're in today. But he has been neglected. He's the guest that has been silenced. He's the guest that has been closed into one area of our house and in the house of our heart. And he can't get out and he's not let loose because we'll not let him. May God help us. That was in the Old Testament. Now, the first emblem of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, what was it? The dove. Where was it? When our Lord Jesus Christ was baptized in the waters of Jordan. 
When he came up out of the water, there came a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And the dove, the blessed, gentle dove of the Holy Spirit, we, we read, lit, lit upon him, came upon him. And then John the Baptist says, It stayed upon him. It stayed upon him and remained on him. It never left him. Oh, friend, what a lovely thought that was. He never shooed it away. He never had to depart. He never said a wrong word. He never lost his temper. He never was jealous. The Holy Ghost remained on him all through his ministry until he went up into heaven. And then when he went up into heaven, he sent the Holy Ghost down onto us in the day of Pentecost. It remained always on him. Doesn't always remain on me. There are times I chase him away. There's times I grieve him. There's times I quench him. There's times I hinder him. And I am sure so do you. But in his grace and his mercy, when we get down and repent and confess, he comes back again and he fills us again. Glory to his lovely, patient name. He's not, he's not a cruel tyrant that leaves us and forsakes us. You know, I was reading about a man and his wife who used to have rows and arguments. Christians... Christians have arguments too. If you're living in the real world, you'll know that, of course. A man and his wife used to have an argument, and in the evenings they used to fall out with one another. And one day they were arguing, and they heard the fluttering up in the attic. Well, now, whether it was God or whether it was, I don't know what, but they said they heard the fluttering of wings up in the attic. And then the next couple of days after that, they had another argument, and the fluttering got worse. And then there was one day they started to fall out amongst one another and they started to shout at one another and they heard the fluttering getting worse and moving out. And the Holy Spirit left them. Oh, my friend, be very careful. Let us be very careful that we don't shoo away, that we don't grieve, that we don't hinder. And above all, that we don't vex the Holy Spirit because they did, they did vex him in the Old Testament and he came back to fight with them. Ah, imagine the very blessed, lovely dove of Christ fighting. But he, my friend, is the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist saw it remaining upon, upon him, remained upon him. And then when we come over to where we are this morning, isn't that what Jesus says? Isn't that Pentecost? He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. He, he didn't come until Pentecost. He didn't come until Jesus left. He says, I go away. I will send them unto you. And 20, uh, 120 of them waited in the upper room, my friend, for those days, for, for, for 10 days. And they prayed and they cried to God and they claimed the promise. Jesus says, the Holy Ghost will come upon you. If you tarry, if you wait there, he will come. This Holy Spirit that is upon me, this Holy Spirit that's in the Old Testament, he'll come upon you, individually upon you. And he did on the day of Pentecost. 2,000 years ago, and we're celebrating it, we're celebrating it this morning. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, we're all with one accord in the one place. Friend, listen as I close this morning. It's not Bezil, the builder. It's not Judges, the fighters. It's not Micah, the preacher. It's not Jehaziel, the singer. 
And it's not Jesus, nor is it not the 120 in the upper room, or the 5,000 that were saved on the day of Pentecost. My friend, the message this morning is to you, and to me, and to your children, and to all those that are far off. So, we're closing in now as we close. We're closing in on every believer. You examine your heart this morning. You think of what we're saying this morning. Now you, you just say to God this morning, I, I, I'm listening to this preacher, I'm listening to this man. Now there's three reactions. There'll be three reactions from this message. I'm preaching long enough to know, I think, a congregation of people. And I don't care where you preach a message like this in Northern Ireland today, but there'll be three reactions to it. And the first one will be this. I'm saved. I got all at the one time. I'm happy the way I am. And I intend to just stay like that. I'm saved and I'm going to heaven. This Holy Spirit business, I have no time for it. Well, my friend, let me say, God has nothing else to say to you this morning. And I have nothing else to say to you this morning. That's number one. If you're like that, just stay like that. That's, that's your business. That's your prerogative. That's the way you read it. But then you'll have to come to the Scripture and show me the Scriptures. Because I wouldn't be clearing these truths unless they're biblical sound. The second thing is this. Well, I know there's something missing in my life. I know that I'm not the Christian that I should be. I know that I'm up and down and I'm bad-tempered and impatient. I know I don't have the desire to read and to pray and to witness. I'm glad that the church is closed at the moment. I don't have the bother of coming out on Sunday night. But I, in my heart, you will say, and there will be those that will say this morning, I am not content the way I am. I don't have the fire. I don't have the zeal. I don't have the victory. I don't have the power over pride, over greed, over... I have no joy, I have no praise, I have no stability, I have no reality. Oh, oh, there's something missing in my heart. My friend, if you're there this morning, God will do business with you here in this car park, wherever you are, across in Florida this morning, in India this morning, wherever you're hearing this message this morning, let me tell you, let me tell you, my friend, if that's where you are, God will do business with you. He'll fill you. He'll bless you. He'll use you. He'll change you. He'll do it. If, you're, if your desire is great enough for that, if you're there, then there's the third type of person. I fully agree with what this man is preaching this morning. I have had that experience. I, I can take you back to a day and a time when I had an initial filling of the Holy Ghost after I was saved and I, I had a change in my life. I, I used to be doing things I don't do them now. I would have went places I don't go now. I would have watched things that I don't want now. I've, I've, I've had an experience in my life. And after salvation, it has been the greatest thing that ever happened to me. My friend, I'm in that category this morning. I am here this morning. It was ten years after I was saved. Out in the road of Briars, out in Market Hill Forest Park one day. I tell you, I had an encounter with God. And I, my life changed, my Christian life changed. No, it was not better than salvation. Oh, it was not better than the day I was saved. But it gave me a new life, a new impetus, a new desire, a new longing, a new, a new hunger in my heart for God, for the Word, for prayer, for witnessing, for, 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 for living a clean life, for doing what I could for God. For ten years, for ten years, I was just coming and going. Do you know when I was working, and I used to 
cock up and concoct some work to do on a Sunday night rather than go to church. I, I had done something on a Wednesday night rather than go to the prayer meeting. I had no desire. Oh, I was saved. Never doubted of the day in an hour from 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Never doubted of the day in an hour. Friend. But there was something missing in my life. And then I began to study the Word of God and these scriptures that I'm telling you about this morning. And I saw, yes, in these scriptures, there is something more. Yes, there is a going on with God. There is a going through with God. And then I started to read the lives of men. I, I listened to what Apostle Paul says and Jesus said and Peter said that the command, it was a command to be filled. And then I read the stories of Moody and of Finney and of Wesley and of Whitfield. And of C.H. Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, James Nelson Derby, the founder of the Brethren, and scores of others. And I began to study, and I saw in those men's lives that there was a change, a dramatic change came into their ministries and into their lives whenever they opened their heart fully to the Holy Ghost. The Pentecostal blessing rested upon them. And like the early church, there were four great things that came upon them. Do you know the four great things that came upon the early church when the baptism of the power of the Holy Ghost came upon them? Peter and John were saved long before Pentecost. You know that, of course you do. They were with the Lord, they were walking with the Lord, they were serving the Lord. They were obeying the Lord and best they could and all they could. But oh, my friend, their lives were up and their lives were down. They were calling one day for fire to come down from heaven and burn up the smartens. And Peter was swearing and tough. But oh, there was a change. There was a change. What are the four great things that came on Pentecost? First of all, there was great power. Great power. I tell you, those men had power. You see, there's two words for power. Oh, I'm coming to a close now. There's two words for power. The power that they had before they were saved was the power which has ability. It is ability. Do you hear that? Ability. But you see, the power that comes a different word when the Pentecostal power came down, it means authority. Authority. They had ability before the Holy Ghost came upon them, but then they had authority. They had power. Authority to preach. And power. What's needed. And that's what happened. Great Great, great power, great grace, great fear, great increase, great boldness. All of these came on the day of Pentecost. My friend, can we say that this morning? Can we say we're great and bold for God? Can we say we're, we're greatly increased day by day with the Holy Spirit? Do, do we say we have a great fear of God? Do we know the great grace of God? Do we know the great power of God in our lives? Listen. If you're just content with the trickle, then you just keep your toes in the trickle because that's all you're going to get. But if you want to go into deeper water, if you want to step out into the blessing of the river that ran out from under the temple in Ezekiel's vision, if you want water up to your ankles and up to your knees and up to your loins and you want to go into waters where you'll swim in, and where nothing will be seen but the head only and Christ only. If you want to go there, you can go there this morning. It's completely depending on you. Completely depending on where you are and how you are and what you want this morning. And it's over to yourself.
this filling, this baptism, anointing, call it what you like. We have named the whole thing out in Northern Ireland that people don't understand. Call it what you like. But here, my friend, here's what's needed. First of all, reality. Reality. If you're genuinely honest and not content with the way you are and you admit it this morning, you'll get it. This is not a take and leave it. This is not an a la carte thing. This is not a buffy supper we're talking about. This is not just for ministers and preachers. This, my friend, is for every one of us, as I have already said, and it's imperative and it's essential. It, it is imperative. My friend, every man and woman that's saved here in this car park and listening to me, when you got saved, God gave you a gift or two gifts or three gifts, whatever that gift is for. In order that that gift can be utilized, it needs the Holy Spirit to utilize it. They're spiritual gifts. And whatever it may be, whether it's to work, whether it's to fight in prayer, whether it's to preach, whatever it is, you need that Holy Ghost upon you. And you need, to be, you need to be real about it, real about it. So this morning, maybe I'm speaking to someone here as it closed this morning, and you once enjoyed this. You once were in that place with God. You once, you once were going through with God and on with God, and you were afraid of saying things and afraid of sinning. And Oh, you wanted to witness, and you wanted to read your Bible, and, you wanted, and all that has got cold, and, and you got away from it. You, you began to leak and leak unknown to yourself. You began to leak until, my friend, you're dry this morning. Dry this morning. You shouldn't be dry this morning. And maybe you're going to have to say, Lord, I need to go back to where I lost it. And I want, I want that filling of the Holy Ghost. I want to be anointed with the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that you need, I'm not saying you, 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 you have to get it to preach. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm not talking, I'm talking about basic, honest things that we do. We need to come back and get back there. So the first thing is reality. Second thing is repentance. We need to repent of all known sin. A genuine turning away from the sins of the flesh, of the spirit. And anything that's doubtful in our life, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And whosoever confesseth his sin and forsaketh them shall find mercy. But who covereth them shall not prosper. So I'm saying to you, there has to be a repentance. There has to be a turning away. You have to get down before God in your car now. When you go home sometime today, get down before God. That man's right. That's right. I haven't got that. I want it. I used to have it. I want it back again. I want to walk with God. I want to walk in the light. Where is Houston quoting these verses? If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's the verse I got saved to 11 o'clock, quarter past 11 tomorrow morning. That's the verse I got saved. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Continually walking, continually cleansing, continually joying. Victory over the flesh, victory over lust, victory over pride, victory over fear, victory over doubt, victory over all. Walking, not sin. It's not a sinless life. You can't have a sinless life, but a victory above sin. Hallelujah. There's victory above sin in the blood of Jesus. What was the cross all about if it doesn't give us victory over sin and to live a holy and a clean life? Oh, there has to be repentance. Restitution's the next thing. Uh -huh. 
There's things we might have to put right. There's things that the Holy Ghost will not countenance, my friend, if you haven't put them right. The Holy Guest will stay closed up in one department of your life until you put it right. Unless you go and see that man or go and see that woman, unless you pay back that bill, unless you go and say that you're sorry, unless you, you ask for forgiveness for slandering that man or that woman or that money that you have that you shouldn't have, my friend, and that thing that you have in your house or in your car, you need to get it back. You need to give it back. And once you begin to do those sort of things, the Holy Ghost will begin to flow through you. There has to be restitution. We have seen it here in this corner. We have seen above all everything else in the moves of God here at this corner. Restitution was the one that brought the Spirit down in a mighty way in those days in 1993. It has to be. We have to be honest before God. And we have to let the guest of our soul move through the house. We must know him. We must love him. We mustn't keep him shut up. We must let him move through every department of our house and there has to be a reception invite him in he'll not come he'll come to the door just like salvation he'll come to the door but he'll not come in unless you invite him he'll not come in and then he'll not come in until it's clean he'll not come in until it's clean be ye clean that bear the vessel of the lord and my friend he'll come to every department of your life and you'll know the joy and you know the presence of God. And you know the victory of God. And you know when you go to say something. And when you go to watch something. And when you go to read something. Oh, you'll know. You'll know the Holy Spirit checking you and saying to you. And then in His grace and His mercy, you ask forgiveness and away you go again. Hallelujah. This is mighty. And nasty and I'm finished. There has to be a reliance. Reliance. Abandon all on Him. Listen. Abandon it all over to Him. Abandon it all to him. Now I'm speaking to some of you this morning and you're in trials and you're in troubles and there's problems in your home and there's problems in all our homes and problems in our family and God knows. But oh, he's gracious and he's good and he's merciful. I'm, I'm speaking to you this morning. Listen, you're all uptight about something. I say to you, rely on him. Rest on him. Just ask him, ask him to take complete control of that situation. Hear that now, Heather. Hear that, Ruth. Hear that, those of you who are going through just uh, something now that's in front of you. Just you rest on the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest on him. Those of you who are going in for uh, surgery. Those of you who are waiting to go in for surgery. Those of you who are d d d annoyed and vexed about other things. Listen, just rely, rely. Cast all upon him. Uh, my friend, if you do business with him, he'll do business with you and he will fill you and he will bless you and he will use you and he'll make this church a mighty place for God and revival blessing will flow through us and each, to each and every one of us. I have laid bare my heart to you this morning and I want to say to you that he can give us victory over lust, over sin, over pride, over envy. He's the all-victorious one. And as we fall and fail, he comes and fills us again. Glory to God, I've enjoyed 40 years of that. And I thank God for all that he's done. I want to read in closing a hymn, uh, a verse of a hymn. O breath of life, come sweeping through us. Revive thy church with life and power. O breath of life, come cleanse, renew us. And fit thy church to meet this hour.
O wind of God, come bend us, break us, till humbly we confess our need. Then in thy tenderness remake us, revive, restore, for this we plead. O breath of love, come breathe within us, renewing thought and will and heart. Come love of Christ afresh to win us, revive thy church in every part. Now here's the last verse. Revive me, Lord, my zeal is baiting, while harvest fields are vast and white. Revive me, Lord, the world is waiting. Equip me, Lord, to spread the light. May God honor his word. May he fill us with the Holy Spirit. And may he have this day celebrated as the guest of our soul. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the possibility of getting out this truth. Lord, we thank you for the scriptural truth of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the mighty I am, the mighty God, the one who speaks, the one who hovers over us here this morning, the one who watches and guards over our children day by day. We give you thanks and praise. Lord, we confess our sins. We, we ask forgiveness, Lord, for driving you away. Oh, we say in the words of that hymn, return, O holy dove, return. Oh, return, O holy dove, return, sweet messenger of rest. I hate the sins that made thee mourn and drove thee from my breast. Come, blessed paraclete, come, blessed comforter, come, blessed spirit of the living God into our lives and homes and hearts and remake us and renew us this morning. Bless the open air tonight. Bless those that gather in their cars and those that hear around the town. Bless the gospel, we pray. Remember too the testimony, Lord, as it goes out at, three, at two o'clock on Country Star today. We pray for those men down in Coleraine, and those men in their sin down in Ballymena, those men, Lord, that are listening to it, O God, our Father. We pray that the Holy Ghost will come upon them and that many will turn to Jesus ere this day is over. We ask it in the Saviour's name and for his sake. Amen. Amen.